was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. Karma sannyas yoga. Hmm. How to work and be a sannyasi at the same time. That's really what this chapter is, is about. How to be contemplative in life, even though doing all kinds of activities. And when Krishna approached Arjuna straight up and said, which is better? The renunciate, one who does no action? Well, first of all, no action, let's just qualify that. That means very little material action because without action, there's no life. So even for those great renunciants that don't go out and hold down a job, take care of a family, raise kids, that don't, you know, engage in what we consider our humdrum lives, uh, they still are engaged in some activity. They're sitting cross-legged. They have to cross their legs. That's some action. They have to control their breath. They have to control all the organs of their body. They have to eat very simply. They have to bring all the senses under control. They have to control their life air. They have to control their mind. So they're also working, but not in the ways of the world. They're doing this control job. It's just as hard as work as the guy in the steel mill, I'm sure. But I've never really done it myself. <laughs> so, the renunciant, he's also working. And, the, and we also are working. So for self-realization, which is best? And Krishna, Krishna's conclusion, even 5,000 years ago, when you had a lot, a lot more opportunity to do the yoga thing, I'm sorry, to do the renunciation thing uh, more easily, he said no. Now we could take it that for some that renunciation thing is, is acceptable. And maybe Krishna is just speaking this to Arjuna because he's a Kshatriya, because he was born in a royal family, because he's on a battlefield, because his whole life is that of administrative work in society as a Kshatriya. He's a protector of, of the citizens. That's his role in life. That's his proclivity, his propensity. And aside from Arjuna, this instruction really isn't applicable to the spiritualist. But I don't think we can accept it on that limited basis. Our Krishna chose to speak Bhagavad Gita not to renunciate. 
If he thought renunciation was more important, then he would have instructed a renunciation, a renunciate in such a way that society would have benefited from his instruction. Would he not? Would seem logical? But no, he chose Arjuna. Now, we know that he chose Arjuna for some specific devotional characteristics. He was Krishna's devotee and dear friend. Therefore, I'm speaking this knowledge to you. But I think we can also give some great credit to the fact that Krishna selected Arjuna in order to reestablish the principles of dharma. Isn't that what he said at the beginning of the last chapter? Yada yada hi dharma shyagla nir bhavati bharata. Whenever there's a decline of dharma, I come myself and I give what are the principles of proper action in the world. Krishna, Krishna Stu Bhagavanswai, I'm the original personality of Godhead. When he comes himself once in a day at Brahma to establish religious principles, now he comes many times, there's many incarnations of God, but when he personally comes, he chose Arjuna to instruct Bhagavad Gita to. There has to be some great significance there. When Arjuna directly asks, I'm a little confused, you're saying renounce, and then you're saying action, you're telling me to work in yoga, in karma yoga, niskarma karma, niskarma, it's not like regular karma yoga. It's not like that karma yoga where I have, I'm doing it for me mostly, but without attachment. So you're telling me to do this yoga. Now of the two, which is better? And Krishna comes back and says, well, this karma yoga is better. Why is it better? And Krishna explains, doesn't he? He goes on to say, why is it better? It's better. A person who is free from both hatred and desire is always renounced. He's a true renunciate, being indifferent to dualities, O mighty armed. He is easily freed from bondage and attains liberation. This is real yoga. Not just renunciation, but renunciation of the dualities of material existence. To not be affected by the way of the world. To not be envious. Where's hatred come from? Anger, hate. Comes from what? Lust. And what's that mean? Somebody else has something we want. Somebody's holding back from me. Or I want to exploit you for me in some way. A lot of ways to express that in this world. Sometimes we think that boss, he is exploiting us. In this society, unfortunately, that's probably a pretty sane thought. <laughs> I'm not quite getting what I deserve here. Childish persons, not the learned, declare that contemplative life and selfless action are separate. Those that don't have mature knowledge... Isn't that what a child is? He doesn't have mature knowledge. Childish persons, not the learned, not an adult, 
not someone who sees things as they are, they declare that the renunciate, the contemplative life, and selfless action are separate. They see a distinction. People that don't have full knowledge and understanding see a distinction between action without attachment and renunciation. One who practices either of these correctly achieves the same result. So Krishna is not saying that the renunciant doesn't advance spiritually, but he's making it clear that if you, and I don't think many of us would live up to the standard of even Arjuna, my gosh, if we learn about Arjuna. I mean, what a man of character. Maybe I've told you this, but at one time in the, in the kingdom, and understand Arjuna was part of the royal family. So within this kingdom, there was one householder, and every year he would impregnate his wife, and every time the child would come, would die. Well, <laughs> has to be somebody, you know, what do they say? Somebody has to be at fault here. Well, this particular citizen, the husband, after a couple of these stillbirths, he went to the gates of the palace. He banged on the door and said, hey, something wrong with your administration in this kingdom. My Children are dying before they even take their first breath. Arjuna was such a man of character that he came forward and he said, I will protect your next child. I will make sure that Yamaraj, the superintendent of death, does not take your child because this is the administration of King Yudhisthira, my brother, and in this kingdom, everyone is protected especially women and children and, and the animals, those that can't protect themselves, we protect. So I will protect this child. The next child is to be born. Arjuna is there. And he said, if I can't protect your child, I will die myself. That's a man of character in my estimation. I could tell you the rest of the story, but we'll go on. No. <laughs> anyway, the next child was taken away. Arjuna was there. Well, I guess I have to take my life. And of course, he took counsel of Krishna at the time. And Krishna says, well, I'll help you out. You're my friend. So he and Arjuna began to search the whole universe. Of course, he's God, so he can go anywhere he wants. He went to the planet. Of, he went to Yamaraj's abode where... Generally, when people die, they go to the, the boat of Yamaraj for judgment. No baby there. Search the whole material universe. No baby anywhere. This child was nowhere to be found. So they left the universe. And they went to the place of Karnadakshai Vishnu, the Vishnu from where all the different universes come. And lo and behold, there's the baby. And Vishnu, who is an expansion of Krishna, said, oh, you've come to this universe to display your pastimes, and I just wanted to see you. 
So therefore, I've arranged this whole thing so that I can see you. Krishna says, okay, you've seen me. Can I have the child now? <laughs> so Arjuna returned the child to the... He had all the children. Oh, he actually had all the children. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So Arjuna took not only the child that had just died, but all the childs that had, that had, that had been taken away uh, back to the family. So such a man of character Arjuna was. So the point is, he, he's so advanced and still this path of renunciation is not recommended for him. What to speak of ourselves. So therefore these instructions are, are good for us. That doesn't mean that there is not a class of people, not many to be found, they're few and far between in this age of man, but there are also, we should not decry the great renunciates who are also striving for self-realization. We would hope, though, they would take advantage of Lord Chaitanya's Sankirtan movement. Yes, sir. Is, once, once it's achieved, once, once the self-realization is achieved, is the implication that the method utilized thus far is therefore sufficient? So if, if the person chose to be sannyas early in life, they achieve the, the, the realization... Would it be possible, technically, for them to go back into active life of some sort, perhaps? Or if we're talk, if we're talking about strictly, first of all, in this particular age of mankind, Kali Yuga, renunciation as, as it's being explained here by Krishna, uh, the sannyas. When we talk sannyas, that Krishna is referring to this level of renunciation, is really. Well, Lord Chaitanya said that's one of the things that should not happen in this age. Well, then you say, well, I see sannyasis that are Hare Krishnas. In fact, the author of the Bhagavad Gita here says Swami. What's that mean? This is not a Swami. This is a Swami who has complete control of his senses, but he's acting in devotional service. So the action referred to here is an action which probably is not tinged with that of devotional service. Of course, we know that without a tinge of devotional service, there's every possibility that the renunciate will be attracted to that impersonal aspect of the Supreme. Uh -huh. Now, even attaining perfection in that impersonal realization, because there's not higher activity of love in reciprocation, and because we are all persons, ultimately, attaining Brahman, Attaining that impersonal liberation, although a relief from material suffering, and certainly much more advanced than the gross materialist, uh, they ultimately fall down from that position because they, they desire, we all desire, loving exchange. Do you have yeah. any type of credentials to be a swami or a sannyas? Bacha Vegam, Manasakara Vegam, Jiva Vegam, Udarapasta Vegam. That's the only credential you need. Yes, one who controlled the urge to speak, the mind's demands, the actions of anger, and the urges of the tongue, belly, and genital. Mm. Or I'm referring to like academic credentials. Bacha Vegam, Manasakara Vegam, Jiva Vegam, Udarapasta Vegam. What academy do you need <laughs> to attain that? Good point. <laughs> 
Huh? You do that, you're better than any academy. A Harvard, a Harvard PhD can't control his tongue true. or his belly or his yeah, genital. He can't control the urge to speak. He is speaking all the time. Speaking and speaking, but what does his speaking accomplish? Still, is his speaking... We can see... All, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fact that we have all these great institutions of learning. And in these great institutions of learning, we have all this knowledge. And with all this knowledge, they're trying to make life better for everyone. Let's hope they are. If the academics aren't doing it for us, who are? Okay. So what do they do? They, they have all their big laboratories. They try to create all their medicines. They try to create all their contraptions for our enjoyment. They try to come up with all these psychological solutions to our, to our discontent and anxiety in this life. With all that knowledge, has one person been saved ultimately from getting diseased? No, they've made a pill to cure some diseases, but everyone ultimately gets diseased. Has ever, anyone, from all of their university knowledge, over all the different hundreds and hundreds of years, the centuries, has anybody been able to come up with a solution to old age, where you're young for level? You're getting close. Okay. Okay. As any of them, do we see anybody that no, has cured yet. death? Uh, not yet. Doctor Frankenstein, maybe. Okay. <laughs> do all. What, what, where, where is that quote that you're controlling the minds? Uh, that's by Srila Rupa Goswami, and he relays that in the beginning of Upadesha Amrita. And Upadesha Amrita was translated into English under the uh, name of uh, Nectar of Instruction by Bhaktivedanta Swami. Oh, okay, so it's in the Nectar of Instruction. First verse. Okay. It seems, it seems that in the verse where um, it talks about, or maybe it was the purport, um, where it talks about how achieving the point where the knowledge that the actions that are happening, the actions of seeing, the actions of hearing, the actions tasting and so forth, are not actually the actions of the self, but the actions of the body in response to the senses. They are. In the state, by stating that, that this, this kind of implies or tries to illustrate the way that we can be aware of what is transpiring uh, while being engaged in activity, but being detached from it in such a way that we don't bear the karmic load, I suppose, or whatever, of what is transpiring because to have that sense... We, have no, we don't have a stake. We don't have a stake in the matter. Yes, that's, you're getting to that point. So, so, so there's some kind of, it's almost as though the volition is coming from elsewhere. It's coming from the devotion, sort of. Uh, it's, it's like we have given up our intent, and we're just doing what our duty, our 
for what is intended for us to do. We're following whatever the divine plan is. We are, if we, we following the divine plan according to what? According to our ability, as Krishna pointed out in the last chapter, to take shelter of a bona fide spiritual master. Spiritual master, someone who's given, who is our mentor, who is giving us direction. And we, we talk about using the senses. We're also, the, in devotional life, we are using the senses. We're using the senses, and the devotee is working in life, and all of his senses are being used. He's still hearing, he's still seeing, he's still tasting, touching, smelling. He's still engaging, he's still working with his arms and his legs, still talking. So he's doing all these things. They're still children. So the working and the knowledge-acquiring senses are all used, but they're used not in an exploitive way. They're used under the direction of our pre spiritual preceptor in such a way that all of our activities are purifying us. The senses actually, because of this action, become pure. The tongue purifies itself by chanting Hare Krishna. The ears are purified by hearing Hare Krishna. The limbs of the body are purified by serving the devotees, by serving the deity. The intellect, the mind, is, is, is purified by reading scripture. The fruits of our work, even if we're forced to work in the world to maintain ourselves, because we're maintaining ourselves primarily for advancing in spiritual life, that's all spiritualized. There's no part of a devotee's life which is not spiritualized except that part which is not cent per cent surrender. So there's some gradual stage. What's that gradual stage? After we've come to the spiritual master, we've had his association, he's giving good instruction, we're constantly hearing from him to enforce and deepen our spiritual realization. As we do that, we become purified in the stage after, during Bhajana Kriya, engaging according to his direction, the more and more of our activities become completely purified. How can we tell? Anartha Nivriti. The Anarthas, those unwanted exploitive tendencies, diminish. We become dispassionate, as Triparari said in the foreport. We no longer have a passion for exploitation. Now, as we go through spiritual life, that passion in the beginning may be very strong. It may be very weak. Some people come and they're completely enamored in the modes of passion and ignorance. Some people are in goodness. Some people are already inclined to be scholars. Some are inclined to be so many other things. But the spiritual master, he sees their inclination. He, he takes notice and he engages them according to their propensity. And of the engagements, Krishna is saying that actions in karma yoga to go on in your life and work without attachment, to be detached, that is better than so-called renunciation as the means to self-realization. Because there's every chance until the senses are completely quieted, the desire for sense gratification still remains in our heart. And Krishna pointed this out in the second chapter, didn't he? 59th verse. 
What is that? Visaya vidivartante niraha rasya dehinam. That as long as the senses still, still are desiring some enjoyment, as long as that taste is still there, until we've come to the platform of only having paramdrishtvanivartate, spiritual, spiritual sense gratification takes us over. When that happens, then the material senses are finished. One question. One question I can take. I'm late. I went over. I, I, I may have lost it here. <laughs> um, I was just wondering, you know, when when you said it, the sense gratification, um, and then and they slowly get taken, or you know, they they subside. Right? Yes. Okay. So let's say a person dies during this process. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're not totally, you know. Purified. Purified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens? What happens? Yeah. Well, a lot of things could happen. Krishna could say, Krishna can, Krishna could be there in your heart, and he could say, "Boy, they really tried hard. I wish they would have been more." But ah, I'm just going to take them back home, back to Godhead. Or Krishna could say, eh, "Maybe, maybe come back and and be in a born in a in a good family of of devotees." And continue with the practice. That's completely up to Krishna. We are Krishna's surrendered devotee. What do we care? Whatever stage of life he takes us, we don't care. We leave it to him. If we're not completely purified, purified or unpurified, if he wants to, he can, he can, he can do as he feels fit. We chant every week. What? Pick me up or make me broken hearted. Leave me here in the material world. In the, if I'm in the material world, I'm still going to remember you and my heart will be given some solace. And you pick up where you left off. Krishna says it's nothing's ever lost. Whatever progress we made, that's never lost. I'm going to stop there because it's late. Yeah. I just had to ask that question. That's okay. It's a good question. Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.